it's Big Joe for Absolute Comfort, your trusted, independent, American Standard Air dealer. Owner Chris Wedekin sells the ductless Mitsubishi Electric Mini Split, which is a great option to heat and cool individual spaces while blending into the decor. If you want your poker room to be dressed up, you could take a vinyl wrap and put on these. If you like the more modern look, they have styles in black, silver, and pearl white that would be more aesthetically pleasing for your rooms. Find out more at absolutecomfort.org. Absolute Comfort is your trusted, independent, American Standard Air Mitsubishi Electric Elite Ductless Pro Dealer. Guy Relford for Pinnacle Firearms. You need Stop by and check out my friends at 598 West Carmel Drive in Carmel. Just a couple of minutes from my office in downtown Carmel. These guys do everything related to your firearms-related needs. Great for for firearms, whether it's a pistol, rifle, or a shotgun, ammunition, accessories. And they have a certified gunsmith right on staff, right there present in the store. And they do some beautiful refinishing and Cerakoting. Anything you need for your firearms-related needs, check out my buddies at Pinnacle Firearms. That's 598 West Carmel Drive in Carmel, or check them out at pinnacle-firearms.com. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is the Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. Well, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. If you've been listening to the IU post game, thank you for your patience. Uh, my patience is a little strained, as uh, producer Carr will tell you. I've been ranting here in the studio a little bit. <laughs> uh, what was that? Almost two hours of post game? I, I got your post game right here. You know what your post game is? You give up almost 700 yards on defense. You're not going to win any Big Ten games. There you go. I just returned a two hours of your life to you by giving you a concise post game that answers every damn question you might have about IU Illinois today. All right. And that's without the profanity that Carl had to listen to. Sitting here, you can hear him laughing in the background. So, all right, I feel better now. Uh, and Carl laughing always always uh, makes me feel better. But, that, all right, listen, we had a good two hours of stuff to talk about, and obviously we're not going to get anywhere close to that end, uh, thanks to two hours of redundancy after the IU-Illinois game. But, okay, so be it. Um, the, the, we have as much to talk about legally as we've had in a long, long time. And, listen, I've gotten a million questions about the pistol stabilizer brace ruling that we just got Wednesday out of Texas. A, a judge in Texas, this is a district court judge. So it's not an appellate court judge, it's a trial court judge. A district court judge has issued a national injunction saying that the ATF's pistol brace ruling, and I'll go into some uh, detail a little bit later on what that is and what it means, that it's, un, it's illegal, it's unlawful. Didn't rule that it's unconstitutional, and that's an important distinction, but ruled that it's unlawful. All right, what does that mean? And I've had people texting me, emailing me, messaging me on social media, whether it's it's Twitter, and give me a follow there, at Guy Relford, or on Facebook, at Guy A. Relford, people going, okay, I've had gun shop owners, understandably, saying, saying Guy, does this mean I can sell pistol braces? I can sell firearms with pistol-length barrels with braces attached to them. Am I legal now? Am I good to go? Because I'm hearing on social media and I'm seeing videos from people like Colin Noir, you know, a guy I like, guy I've been on on his show on NRA TV back before it imploded, um, and, and, and saying, 
that it's over, it's dead, the rule's dead. Well, is that true or is it not true? We're going to go into that. We're also going to talk about the fact that U.S. Supreme Court has taken the Bumstock case, which is Cargill, Cargill v. Garland, I think the name of it is, and we're actually going to have Michael Cargill, the litigant from that case in Texas, on the show here at 615. We're going to get into all of that and a lot more. There's even more. Just this last week, a court ruled that the so-called ghost gun regulations coming out of the Biden administration ATF, that those are illegal. So we've got so much to talk about. It was not a good night uh, to sit around and listen to a lot of IU postgame. We're going to get into all those issues and take your calls when we come back. Right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is the Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. And listen, I, I promised a lot of people I was going to start the show talking about the pistol brace ruling that we got out of Texas. And uh, and I will get back to that. Um, I apologize. The plan I had to spend the first hour talking about that evaporated with a ridiculously long IU postgame show. But we have an important guest uh, and, uh, that I'm really excited about uh, coming on here in just a few moments, and that's Michael Cargill, and he is the litigant. Uh, he was the plaintiff in the case uh, in Texas challenging the Biden administration. Uh, well, I say Biden administration. That's who's fighting to support it and keep it in place. But it was originally a Trump administration uh regulatory action and and let's set the stage here a little bit after the horrific las vegas shooting where over 50 people i think it was 58 people lost their lives in this just horrible horrible mass shooting and we and we remember the video of somebody shooting from the mandalay bay uh, the resort casino hotel there along the strip and i've stayed in that hotel but, you know, broke a couple of windows, and this guy, who we still don't know much about, uh, was firing shots out of his window down into a country music festival. And the stories, uh, both of tragedy and, and loss of life and, and also of heroism, uh, came out of that mass shooting are just unbelievable. The, the problem is law enforcement hasn't told us a lot about what the hell this guy was all about and what his motives really were, uh, where the firearms came from, what kind of firearms they even were. But in the middle of all of that, it was reported that this guy had used some bump stocks, I think more than one, on some of the firearms that he shot. And the, the video and the audio, if you've seen and heard, uh, it sounded like a fully automatic firearm. To me, it did not sound like a gun with a bump stock on it. I've been around a lot of guns with bump stocks on it. What a bump stock is, if you're not familiar with that term, it's a, it's a stock that you fit onto a, a rifle, and it allows the rifle to bounce off of your shoulder. So when you start pulling the trigger, if you just keep your trigger finger rigid in a fixed location, a fixed position, as the, as the bump stock allows the gun to bounce off your shoulder, then your rigid trigger finger 
pulls the trigger very, very rapidly. And it can sound, if somebody knows what they're doing and they practice with it, it can sound like an automatic firearm. But importantly, you only get one shot fired per manipulation of the trigger. And per the definition of a machine gun written by Congress, because that's who makes laws in this country, and that's really the point in the Cargill case. According to the definition of machine gun written by Congress, if you have a separate manipulation of the trigger for each shot fired or each bullet that comes out of the muzzle, that's not a machine gun. But if you remember, I remember like it was yesterday, the press conference, President Trump said, no, and bump stocks, bump stocks are, bump stocks are gone. I've told the ATF, bump stocks are gone. And, and the NRA was complicit. I remember, again, I criticized the NRA right here on this program. The NRA came out and said, we've invited the ATF to revisit the legality of bump stocks. So what, what did Trump tell the ATF to do, and what did NRA say they were totally fine with the, NR, with the ATF doing? It was essentially rewriting a definition of machine gun written by Congress. And can they do that? And this all comes back to Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution. I mean, you don't have to dig too deep into the Constitution. Right after the we the people part, very first thing in the Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, and it says all legislative powers shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and a House of Representatives. All legislative powers. So does that mean a regulatory agency that's part of an executive branch can just rewrite laws written by Congress? Well, the answer to that is no. Now, the Supreme Court has been complicit in allowing regulatory agencies to act as judge, jury, and executioner on a lot of different issues, not just on on firearms-related issues, not just the ATF. The EPA has done this. The IRS has done this. A, a massive quantity of regulatory agencies have have pass their own regulations that have the force and effect of law that can put people in jail, just like this bump stock regulation can. And the Supreme Court's let them do it for a long time. Now, this Supreme Court's starting to rein that back a little bit. But but the issue here, and the primary issue, as I see it in the Cargill case, is not even whether bump stocks are protected by the Second Amendment so that, quote-unquote, banning them violates the Second Amendment of the Constitution. That's another argument. And I'm sure that argument's going to be made and has been made. But the the litigants in this case don't have to win that argument. Because, in other words, you start talking about, are they commonly used for lawful purposes? I think the, the answer to that is yes. There are hundreds of thousands or millions of them out there, at least there were before they were banned. And so you can get there, but I think the better argument, the stronger argument, and the argument that I think the Supreme Court will side with Mr. Cargill on is to say that a legislative agency exceeds its constitutional authority when it changes laws written by Congress. And that has so much impact. Look across the board at what else the ATF has done. And a lot of these are being stricken down at lower court levels, and we'll see what the Supreme Court does or doesn't do. But for instance... We just had a case also out of the Fifth Circuit, which is the federal appellate court that hears appeals out of Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. But it just struck down 
the rule uh, the ATF came out with on on receivers, uh, calling certain unfinished receivers firearms. They, they're redefining what is a firearm, what is a receiver, and what is a frame. And this is a so-called ghost gun legislation. It, was not, it is legislation, but guess what? ATF is not supposed to legislate. That's the whole point. That's article, what our Article 1, Section 1 of the, of the Constitution says. You had the pistol stabilizer brace rule where the ATF essentially rewrote the definition of rifle or short-barreled rifle written by Congress. And that's not okay. Again, you have this constitutional authority issue, but there are other issues as well. In fact, this pistol stabilizer brace ruling out of Texas where there was a nationwide injunction issued isn't even based on a constitutional argument at all. It's an argument that arises out of the Administrative Procedures Act, a federal statute on how agencies are supposed to pass regulations or final rules to engage in what we call rulemaking at the administrative level. That's what had the pistol brace rule set aside. That's why the injunction issued last week. A lot of people are under misunderstanding that. You're seeing a lot of people out on social media saying the pistol stabilizer brace ruling was declared unconstitutional. Well, it may be unconstitutional, but that's not what the court ruled. They specifically said there are a lot of other arguments for why this is illegal and unenforceable. We're not reaching any of those because we found that it violates the Administrative Procedures Act, the APA. Why and, 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 and what's going on there? That's what I wanted to talk about the first hour of the show until this ridiculously long postgame show from the IU-Illinois game went on forever. I'm going to come back to it. We're going to take a break. We'll come back, and we're going to have Michael Cargill. He's the actual litigant, and he's no stranger to fighting for gun rights all across this country and, and, and more specifically in Texas. And a lot of us look at him as a real hero with the Second Amendment. But he's the, he's the party, and in fact, his case has been accepted by the Supreme Court and will likely hear oral argument after the first of the year and will likely see a ruling sometime next June or July, if I had to guess. But, but in terms of what a, an executive agency's authority is and when it can engage in rulemaking and when it can, in, it can, it can, it can so, quote-unquote, interpret a law written by Congress as to change the meaning of the law, that it becomes legislative, which exceeds its, 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 its constitutional authority, I'd like to see a ruling that not only that addresses bump stocks, that deals with reigning ATF in generally and, frankly, reigning administrative agencies in generally. That would be a beautiful thing to me. It would start whittling away at this, this in my mind, illegal and unconstitutional fourth branch of government that we've allowed to spring up in this country, which are administrative agencies that our founders never envisioned, never for a million years envisioned we'd have these bunch of, of, of administrators, a bunch of, of, of lifers at agencies accountable to no one who votes, accountable to, 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 to no one at all who, who can write, law, write regulations that have the force of law or, or, or pass rules that have the force of law that can put you in jail. And no one gets to vote them out because they're not elected. That's not okay. That's not how this 
system of government was supposed to work. That's not consistent with the separation of powers that our Constitution is all about. I'm going to stop there. We come back, we'll have Michael Cargill, and we talk, we'll talk about this case, now accepted to the Supreme Court of the United States. That's going to be exciting, and I can't wait to hear uh, his impression uh, where uh, we'll have a, he'll have a, a, a case with his name on it that will be out there uh, in the law books uh, for all posterity. Right now we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Second Amendment. This is the Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIBC. And welcome back to the Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. We're glad you're with us. We're glad you uh, had the patience to suffer through that uh, ridiculously long postgame show that delayed our start by almost an hour. But listen, um, more importantly, uh, we've got an important guest here that's joining us. Uh, that's Michael Cargill. And uh, first of all, Mr. Cargill, thanks so much for joining us here on the Gun Guy Show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yep. No. So listen, and I've been talking about your case for some time, um, even before the Supreme Court accepted it. But, you know, I I occasionally uh, have people call me that uh, that say, hi, I want to challenge this law or I want to challenge that law. That, that they don't like that affects their Second Amendment rights. How, how did you how did you start all of this? How did you get involved in a case that now has wound up uh, all the way in front of the Supreme Court of the United States? Well, you know, and and let me know if my signal goes out or anything like that. But no, we it, we got it, a bunch it, of background noise. It sounds like maybe you might have your radio on or your TV, but other than that, you sound pretty good. Sure, not a problem. How's that coming across? Oh, much better. Thank you, sir. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So it started back in 2017 when they had the Las Vegas shooting. Right. Um, and so because of that Las Vegas shooting, which was a very terrible incident, apparently, allegedly, Stephen Paddock used a, a bump stock to actually uh, commit that heinous crime. Right. And so the government decided that in 2018 they were going to. And we're losing you, Mr. Cargill. I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I, I, he's he's still uh, showing up on the line, but we can't hear him at all. All right, we'll put that on hold. Uh, yeah, uh, if you can get a hold of him and ask him, maybe hang up and call back. Well, I, and listen, the background part, um, you know, I went through, and that's what, what Mr. Cargill was starting to go through. But what I want to get into is really what the issues are going to be in front of the Supreme Court. And... Uh, and what the prospects are and what it could really mean. Because, again, I think the broader issues with this case are, uh, and in my mind, the goal for this case is reining back the regulatory authority these administrative agencies, and in particular the ATF has, that um, has just been horrific for, for I started to say Indiana, for, for American gun owners. Because look at look at all the ATF regulations now. Just because of these changes, that these can put you in jail. 
the the, the rule on on frames and receivers, the so-called ghost guns, the the rule on uh, bump stocks, the rule on pistol stabilizer braces. And we're not talking about a minor thing here. We're talking about having an unregistered NFA item, like an unregistered machine gun, because you happen to have a bump stock on it. That's ten years in federal prison as a maximum sentence. That's a big deal. And uh, and listen, it appears we have Mr. Cargill calling back in. We'll see if maybe we can make this call work a little better. Carl, is he ready to go? Okay, apparently not. It's not sounding much better. But I can go through this because, again, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll try this again. Oh, this is how my night's going. And uh, and I'm not even I'm not I'm not I'm not even using profanity now like I was in the studio for an hour as I was listening to that uh, post game show. But we'll try this again, Mr. Cargill. Are you there, sir? Yes, sir. I am here. Okay. And and listen, I I I, I actually was able to go through the background um, of the case in the sense of why the Trump administration did what it did in telling the ATF, essentially, with complicity from the NRA, uh, we, we came out with an announcement. Right. We and, invo- and, yeah. And you know what? Yeah, so so I, our, our listeners, I think, right. understand and, and the that, background. And, and in 2008. Yeah, how did you get involved? How did you decide to challenge this law? And here we go. The way I got it. Right. The way I got involved and the reason I started to challenge this is because no one, no other organization was going to go against the current administration because Trump was the president at the time. Right. Exactly. And because a Republican, a Republican was actually talking about, you know, something that we need to ban. No one, no one wanted to cause any stink or any trouble. You know, the NRA was in on it. You know, everyone was in on it. And exactly. I think this is crazy because I, if, you, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile so that's why I decided to get involved and drum up some support, look for an attorney to fight this case. And in the end, it ended up being just me, no one else. So it ended up being Michael Cargill against the Department of Justice and Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms to stop the government from taking bump stocks. To- yeah, and, you know, and the reason I'm, I think this is such an important case is, and I've been saying this right here on this show, um, and that is that, you know, I'm a firearms instructor. I have been for a long time. I've been a competitive shooter. A shooter. I, I, I've taught thousands of people how to shoot rifles. And, and I personally don't much care about bump stocks. And I've, I've said right here on, on this show that um, I think when you exchange uh, rate of fire, or you exchange accuracy for rate of fire, um, then that's a, that's a bad exchange. And so I would never own a bump stock. Um, and, and yet I care deeply about your case and I care deeply about these issues because we're talking about the ability of an, an, a, an executive agency to turn around and rewrite laws written by Congress in a way that can put people in prison. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And we're talking about the ATF and gun rights. That's a huge issue for the Second Amendment, uh, which I have tattooed on my right arm. So even though I don't much care about bump stocks as such, I care deeply, more than I can express, about your case and what it could mean for the Second Amendment in, in the United States. Does, does, does all that make sense to you? That, that makes perfectly good sense, and I feel the exact same way. I didn't care about bump stocks. It's a terrible way to shoot. It's not accurate at all. It's right. very unstable. Uh, but some people love them. 
and it's the fact that the ATF decided they were going to ban something that actually was legal in this country, and that's the one thing I just could not step aside and let happen. That's awesome. So um, you, 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 when did you learn that your case had been accepted uh, by the Supreme Court and that you were, um, were going to go up and, uh, and be a party before uh, the highest court in the land? Well, we've been pushing this for, I mean, honestly, this by the time it hits the Supreme Court, it'll be five years that we filed the lawsuit. Wow. I've been pushing this case to head toward the Supreme Court. The reason I picked the attorneys that I actually have is because they actually have other cases they have argued successfully in, in the Supreme Court. So you just can't have any attorney, you know, oh, argue yeah. a case like that. No, I absolutely. I, I'm actually admitted to practice before the Supreme Court myself, and I've had a case before the Supreme Court. But you're, you couldn't be more right. In fact, a lot of the people that come in there and argue before the Supreme Court are former solicitor generals of the United States or solicitor generals at the state level, like Ted Cruz was there in Texas. And so these are some of the, the most high-profile pro- and, and most able attorneys in the country. And so it's neat that you've got those people there on your team. Right. And this is not the only case I have. I have another case that's actually uh, protecting gun store owners. So currently right now, the current administration is deciding to uh, go after you know, mom and pop gun stores. So yes. I have a lawsuit against the ATF of, you know, for that, protecting mom and pop gun stores saying, hey, you know, stop what you're doing. You're overstepping the authority. You're going further than what Congress has actually said. That's awesome. You know what? I, uh, what I'm guessing a lot of listeners right now are, are wondering which is how does all this get funded? Because, you oh. know, I mean, I'm, I'm an attorney, and, and I know what it costs. Just for me, I'm a little one-man shop, um, and uh, it would be a, a big bite of the apple for me to say, oh, I'm taking a Supreme Court case. I can't imagine what my bill would be. Um, is, yeah. are, are, are you just a really, really well-to-do guy, or, or where's the funding come um, for a, a huge fight like taking a case all the way to the Supreme Court, much less more yeah. than one case, as, you, as you've got going yeah. Right. We have to reach out to people and ask for donations uh, because it takes you know, nonprofit organizations. It takes reaching out to, you know, different gun organizations, getting them to donate to the nonprofit. Uh, me reaching out, trying to raise money. It, it, it costs a lot. And it's not easy. Um, you're talking spending million, a million dollars, if not a wow. little more, and push the case all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. So is there uh, is there a place where even my listeners can can call and donate? Is there one place where people can say, "Hey, I want to support um, this man who's really fighting a, an incredibly important fight for all of us"? On even you know whether you care about bump stocks or not, as I don't. Again, I care deeply about the issues in your lawsuit and what it means for the Second Amendment and what even what it means for you know for the for for how we're treating the the constitutional separation of powers in this country um is there some place people can go to and actually support you in all of this yes um it, if you're if you're concerned about you know the the ar-15 pistol brace if you're concerned about yeah. triggers reset triggers if you're concerned about um the frames and receivers you know then you need to go to michaelcargill.com and donate because once we push this case the cargill the Garland versus Cargill case makes it to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court hears this case, and they decide in our favor. This bump stock case will be the case that protects all of the different parts and and accessories the federal government is trying to ban. Yeah. And so go to michaelcargill.com, and you can donate there, and the funds will go exactly where you need to go because we need to stop the federal government in their tracks of what they're doing. That's awesome. 
our foot on their throats. Well, well listen, we, we need to take a break, so unfortunately I need to let you go. But last question, uh, how are you feeling about it? I mean, I know you're, you're, I'm sure you're talking to your lawyers uh, on the regular. Um, you're going to have your name on, on, a, on a, at least one Supreme Court of the United States case. That's something not a lot of people can say. How are you feeling about it? How do you feel about the prospects um, when uh, we get a ruling out of the Supreme Court on your case? I'm very optimistic. I, I cannot anticipate what the Supreme Court is going to do or say sure. or how they're going to rule. I wouldn't want to do that. We're very optimistic. We're very, you know, we're thinking hopefully they go on the same lines as the Fifth Circuit. The Fifth Circuit gave us a definition of what a machine gun was. It clarified that. Very good ruling. Go back and read that case if you have not uh, on how the Fifth Circuit actually played that out. And also the fact that the ATF, the, you know, an agency within our federal government, this is not, it's not just a gun case. You know, this could be the, you know, the uh, OSHA. This could be, you know, any agency within our federal government that decides to ban something, you know, just think, or they're trying to do something where they turn millions of Americans into felons overnight. We're saying, hey, you can't do that. You're an agency within the federal government. You have to go to Congress. Congress got has got to write a bill. It has to be signed by the president, and that's how laws are made. We all know the, the Schoolhouse Rock song and how that goes. Exactly it's right. Very basic. Yeah, as very clearly spelled out in the Constitution. So I could not agree with you more. Listen, God bless you. God bless you for being out there fighting a fight on behalf of all of us. Um, I, I fully support you, and I'm sure all my listeners do. But just from me personally, um, I couldn't thank you enough for uh, putting the time and effort into making all of this happen on behalf of all of us. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Very much. As always, I like to say, more guns equals less crime. You go out there, you buy yourself a gun. Absolutely right. Thank you so much, Michael Cargill. Uh, listen, we got to take a break. We're a little bit late. We'll come back, and I will get back into the pistol stabilizer brace issue. But thanks so much. This guy's a real hero of the Constitution, um, not just the Second Amendment. I mean, we're talking about restoring separation of powers in this country. That's a big, big issue. And Michael Cargill's right out front fighting for all of us on that issue. So I'm thrilled that we had him on the show. But right now, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. show about gun rights, gun safety, and responsible gun ownership. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIPC. What I planned on talking about the first, I don't know, two or three segments of the show was the ruling also out of Texas on pistol stabilizer braces. And listen, again, if that's not a term you're familiar with, just very quickly, that's an accessory you can put on a pistol that is intended to actually uh, wrap around your forearm and allows you to stabilize the pistol and shoot it one-handed. And where there's a, a heavier, uh, higher caliber pistol, like an AR-style pistol or an AK-style pistol, these are really beneficial, especially for people that are handicapped because uh, they may not be able to use both hands or both arms, and now they can hold the gun steadier, and that's exactly, exactly why we call it a pistol stabilizer brace. Well, 
Over 10 years ago, the ATF came out, just like they once said bump stocks, oh, they're, they're totally fine, they're legal, and then changed their mind at the orders of President Trump. Well, very similarly, uh, the, over 10 years ago, the ATF came out and said, oh, no, pistol stabilizer braces, they don't turn your pistol into a short-barreled rifle because otherwise, if you have a rifle that has a barrel less than 16 inches, you have to register it as a short-barreled rifle. Yeah, you have to pay a $200 uh, tax to the government, and you, and you get it registered, and then you're legal to own that. And if you don't do that, you have an unregistered NFA item, whether it's a machine gun or a short-barreled rifle or a short-barreled shotgun, a suppressor, then you're looking at potentially 10 years in prison. So it's a big deal. So... The ATF said, okay, pistol stabilizer braces are fine. They don't turn a pistol into a rifle to where you have to register it as a short-barreled rifle. And then a lot of people started buying these. And frankly, a lot of manufacturers started making them so that you could really use them like stocks. You could put it against your shoulder and shoot two-handed with the brace against your shoulder like a stock and where you're simulating a short-barreled rifle. And even though the ATF had said that they were legal, they came back around and said, no, they're not, unless you register them and you need to do that. And they, they did this in kind of a two-step process. They, they published the, their proposed rule. And the original rule, this is important to understand where we are legally on this. The original proposed rule came out and said, well, we've got a point system, and you need to add up the points because if you have a, a, a stabilizer brace on your pistol, depending on the caliber you get so many points, depending on the, the caliber of the of the firearm. Weight, there's a, a point system for weight and barrel length and, 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 and optics and other accessories you have on it. And there was this way uh, for you to add up all these points and determine whether you now had an SBR or not, whether it was no longer a pistol because it had a brace on it, due to the points that you got from all these other factors. And that was the proposed rule, and they and they got a solicited comment, which is required by something called the Administrative Procedures Act. And there was public comment, and public we all got to go in, and, and I made a comment and said this is ridiculous for this reason, and nobody can figure out the point system, and it's arbitrary and it's it's vague, and a lot of people complained, and they came out then with a final rule that completely did away with this whole point system. And just basically said, yeah, if you put a brace on a pistol, it's pretty much an SBR. And there may be some exceptions, but for the most part, you better just assume it's an SBR. And now you got to register it. But, oh, by the way, we're going to waive the $200 tax, but you still have to register it. And so a whole bunch of people did. A couple hundred thousand people is what I've read. Well, now that's being uh, disputed and that's being litigated. And, in fact, three uh, disabled Marines, three heroes, actually uh, filed a case in Texas, and they uh, were just successful in that case in Texas in having that court say that the pistol stabilizer brace is unlawful. And that's got an awful lot of press. It's got an awful lot of attention. There have been a lot of commentators come out on YouTube and otherwise on social media commenting on this. We'll go into that when we come back. We need to take a break right now. A lot of people saying the rule is dead. You can put a stabilizer brace right back on your pistol and don't have to worry about it. It's no longer an SBR. It's over. 
the rule's dead because of this ruling, this win, that these decorated Marines, if you want to look this up, the case is actually Brito, B-R-I-T-T-O, versus Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and, and Explosives, ATF or B-A-T-F-E. And you can look it up and read it. But an injunction was issued nationwide saying ATF cannot enforce the rule. And that's why people come out and say, that's it, Eureka, it's dead. Well, is it? That's what I'll get into when we come back in our last segment of this ridiculously abbreviated Gun Guy Show. I'll be right back. This is Guy Relford on the Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now, you've got a gun guy. Guy Relford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. And listen, um, we've just got about five minutes here to wrap this up, so I'm going to revisit this next week, and I apologize because I told people I was going to go into this in detail tonight, which we just didn't have time to do for all the reasons I've been whining about. But but here here's what did and didn't happen. In this case, in Texas, yes, a district court judge trial court has ordered a nationwide injunction against the ATF saying you may not enforce the pistol stabilizer brace rule. And yes, they've done that. Now there, there can be a jurisdictional challenge to that to say, can one judge in one district in one part of Texas actually impose a nationwide injunction preventing the ATF from enforcing this anywhere else? That that's a challenge. There's another issue, which is that a lot of people are reporting. Well, let me just play uh, uh, how Colin Noir, and listen, I like Colin Noir. He's a kind of a younger, hip uh, black guy that was big on NRA TV back when I was on NRA TV. Um, But he came out, and and I've had a gazillion people forward me this YouTube video that, that for the most part, starts like this. Breaking news. The ATF brace rule is dead. And now you all can go back to putting all the sweet SB tactical braces on your AR and AK pistols without worrying if you're breaking the law or having to pay a $200 tax and waiting for three months, kind of. It, there you go. And so I've got all these people, I've got gun shop owners, you know, friends of mine that are contacting me going, hey guy, I can start selling uh, pistol length uh, ARs or AKs with braces on them again, right? Because we just saw in the video or just heard on the video from Colin Noir, who was a lawyer, by the way. He was, I'm not sure when he started practicing law or when he went to law school, but he was born the year I graduated from law school. So I think I've been doing this a little bit longer. And But I like the guy and I respect him. But so people are hearing that going, is that it? Is it over? Well, here's what's going on. Was the law declared to be unconstitutional? Again, I say law. It's a rule promulgated by the ATF. Okay. Was it declared to be unconstitutional? The answer to that is no. In fact, the court, if you read the opinion, just Google it, Brito v. ATF, stabilizer brace. It'll come right up. Read it. It's only nine pages long. They specifically said we're not reaching the constitutionality issue. So the, the rule from ATF has not been declared unconstitutional. So why did the judge issue the injunction? He issued it because the final rule was not what's called a logical outgrowth of the proposed rule that went through the whole rulemaking process, including public comment. So all these people 
commented on the proposed rule. Then they came out with a final rule that completely ditched this point system that ATF based the whole original proposed rule on. The point system went away. And they just said, ah, now we're just saying if you got a pistol stabilizer brace on your pistol length upper, then it's pretty much an SBR and you got to register it or we're going to put you in prison for 10 years. And 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 the rule under the, what's called the Administrative Procedures Act, and as it's been interpreted by the court decisions, is that the final rule, if it if if it's imposed, if it's adopted by the regulatory agency, has to be a logical outgrowth of the proposed rule. And here, the court in Texas said this isn't, which doesn't mean it's unconstitutional. It doesn't mean it it violates what we call the vesting clause of Article One, Section 1 of the Constitution that says all legislative power shall be vested in a Congress. It's not, it hasn't been declared unconstitutional as violating the Second Amendment because pistol stabilizer braces are protected as being commonly used as an arm, a bearable arm in, in the United States. And so banning them violates the Second Amendment. None, it hasn't, none of that's been ruled. On. They essentially said the final rule just simply wasn't a logical outgrowth from the proposed rule. For that reason, it violates the Administrative Procedures Act, and for that reason, is illegal and unenforceable, but not unconstitutional. Now, Colin Noir, in his video, goes on to say, and I, I won't play this for you because we're running out of time. He goes on to say, but the Fifth Circuit has already said this is illegal. That's the appellate court this decision will go up to. They've already said that the rule's illegal, so why would they even appeal? Because they're just going to lose. Well, here's what can happen. And listen, a lot of the different things can happen. It can still be found to be unconstitutional. It can still go away permanently. But here's what could happen, and, and I don't. this is not untenable, is they go up to the Fifth Circuit, and they can agree the final rule is not a logical outgrowth. It's not consistent. It's not germane is a word we use with legislation. So... It, it's unenforceable. What could the ATF then do? Then do just impose the original rule with a point system, and we're right back where we started. <laughs> 